Let's open up to um, Galatians chapter 6. Yeah, and the Lord knows our frame, and uh, he knows what we struggle with. He is a compassionate God. Yeah. Uh, Galatians chapter 6. And we'll start in verse 7. So Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. And the household of faith are the uh, fellow, fellow saints. Um, so the, the encouragement here is, and it says at, start, at the start, don't be deceived. Um, God is not mocked. He knows. He knows our heart. He knows what we're doing. He knows our motivation. So he's not mocked. You can't pretend uh, in front of God. And uh, be not deceived. If you slow of the flesh, you will reap corruption. Uh, if you slow, sow of the spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. Uh, something so different. And then it goes on to encourage us not to be weary in well-doing, not to get tired. Um, and, uh, and that's what I'll talk about today is be determined. Be determined. Let us not be weary in well-doing. And remember... Uh, to continue to, uh, to sow of the Spirit and reap that life everlasting. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3. Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Be determined. And verse 11. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Just uh, refreshing there. And it's like, it's kind of, don't be discouraged. In this, the reason I read the first, the two verses ahead of it is, you know, comparing what you do uh, to what others do is not healthy. <laughs> it's not a good thing. And, uh, and so what, the reason I read those three verses together is, look, it doesn't matter. Um, like, it shouldn't diminish your determination to, uh, to be doing well, uh, even though it seems, and that's why I, I emphasise the seem, like what you see with your natural eyes, it seems that others aren't. So be not weary in well-doing. Be determined to continue to, uh, to do uh, what the Lord asks us to do and follow his ways um, and uh, despite what we see around us. Um, we will go to Luke 22. I've, I read that last Sunday and I read it on Wednesday as well. So this is uh, Jesus Christ. Um, He's about to be betrayed. It's a very poignant time, and so, of course, reading it on Sunday and then on Wednesday, I've been thinking about it a little bit. Um, Some more little aspects of this. So Luke 22 and verse 39. It says, 
And he, being Jesus Christ, came out and went as he was wont, or as he was accustomed to, to the mountain of olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. So it's interesting what Jesus says here. He probably knows what's going to happen, and he tells them not to enter into temptation. Excuse me. Be not tempted to sow the flesh. Be not tempted to weary, uh, but continue to be determined. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow or um, because of utter tiredness, really. And he said unto them again, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. Um, Be tempted uh, to go elsewhere. But in this, Jesus, and what I brought out on Wednesday, um, there's a I tried to bring quite a few scriptures together to, to outline how alone Jesus was. Uh, at so many stages through these couple of days that led up to his crucifixion, and include even when he was hanged on that tree, he was alone. The people, uh, the places, even God his Father uh, could not look at him and, uh, and weren't there for him. He was so alone. And, um, but he was determined he could see his close friends were falling asleep. They had no appreciation for what was going on. He warned them not to be tempted, to be to weary in well-doing, not to be tempted to, uh, to go the broad way, but to continue following him. He understood, of course, they didn't have the spirit. But in this, even though he was so alone and felt so alone, as uh, we found out on Wednesday, In verse 43, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. The Lord still gave him encouragement, still encouraged him to keep going and to uh, to take this cup that his father wanted him to take. So we'll bring out a couple of examples that the Lord helps us as well to be determined. We have in our mind here today, surrounded by uh, saints, yeah, we're determined, yes, we will carry on. I will not weary. Uh, we don't, we're subject to, uh, to passions, as it says. But uh, remember that uh, the, the Lord knows our frame and he wants to help us. He wants to strengthen us, as it says here. An angel from heaven strengthened him. Uh, that, uh, that indeed um, our, f- uh, our flesh is weak, but our spirit is willing to, uh, to help our spirit to indeed be determined. So Numbers chapter 16, Numbers chapter 16, and this event I've, over the years, I've thought about a bit as well. There's a lot of things in the Bible to think about, isn't there, and reflect on and wonder. So Numbers chapter 16, this is another thing we're talking about a bit during the week, was Moses and what he experienced and what he was subject to. It was phenomenal, a phenomenal life that he led. 
and uh, what he experienced. And here's, uh, I suppose you could say, a bit of a low. Uh, Numbers 16 and verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi. So he was, Korah was of the Levites, chosen to, uh, to serve uh, in the temple. And Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men. So they took people. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. So they rose up before or against Moses. And, uh, and just think about it, Moses on his own, and then there are 250 princes. These are leaders. And not only that, they're famous. They're popular. Uh, people like them. And even they are men of renown. They have a reputation, a good reputation, for what they've achieved and what they've done for others. You know, they might have done such wonderful and nice things. So princes, they're famous and they're of renown. And it's not one, it's 250 of them. Can you imagine what it would be like? And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said unto them, You take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, which is true, and the Lord is among them, which is true. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. And, uh, and when they say you take too much upon you, it's not that they are, they are empathetic and they're kind and they want to help out. They're saying, no, like who made you who you are? How dare you elevate yourself? You know, the Lord's among all of us. And when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. You know, my goodness. Um, it says elsewhere that um, there was none meek on the earth like Moses. Moses didn't want it. And here are all these people. Uh, saying this to him. Over to verse 12. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, we will not come up. So Moses has summoned them so he can talk with them and explain and uh, discuss and maybe seek the Lord together, but they refused. No, not going to do it. We don't want anything to do with you. Is it a small thing that thou hast brought us up out of a land that floweth with milk and honey? Now there they're referring to Egypt. (laughs) How quickly they forget. (laughs) They were slaves. Uh, To kill us in the wilderness, except thou make thyself altogether a prince over us. Phenomenal accusations. So far from the truth. Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards, wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. So poor Moses. And then we'll skip a fair bit of stuff that happens. Um, And what happens in that is the Lord uh, judges and backs up Moses and Aaron, and uh, and these famous people die. These famous people uh, that... Others like, like to hang out with, fun to be around, leaders, princes. And then we get to verse 41. But on the morrow, all the congregation of 
the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, you have killed the people of the Lord. So now everyone's against them. Um, And it came to pass, when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron, that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. You can almost imagine they came there to let the Lord strengthen them and to encourage them. Go to chapter 17 and verse 1. We'll read the whole chapter. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of them a rod, according to the house of their fathers. Of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. Because remember, Korah was a Levite as well. For the one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony, where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod, whom I shall choose, whom God shall choose, shall blossom. And I'll make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. So it's been a couple of days of uh, phenomenal murmuring and opposition to God's plan. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece, for each prince one, according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness, and it came to pass that on the morrow Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded, and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. And Moses brought out the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel, and they looked and took every man his rod. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony, to be kept for a token against the rebels. And thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me, that they die not. So it was also to protect them. And to to remind them. And Moses did so, as the Lord commanded him, so did he. And the children of Israel spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, we die, we perish, we all perish. Whosoever cometh anything near unto the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Shall we be consumed with dying? So they were humbled, we won't read on, but they were humbled and realised they were wrong. But what happened here? was Moses and Aaron would have felt like they were alone. But they were determined to go to the tabernacle and seek the Lord, and the Lord comforted them, strengthened them, and backed them up to be determined to continue on the work of the Lord. 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. The wonderful thing is, like we read about Moses and Aaron, and we can't help but elevate them. But it's the Lord that elevated them. But think, oh wow! But we are like them. We are uh, God's chosen people, and uh, and so the Lord will help us 
And that's the point I'll make through these things. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. 1 Kings 18 and verse 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? So Elijah is a prophet chosen by God. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. So again, that, that um, chosen man of God felt like he was alone. And this time there are 450. And as it says before, these 550, sorry, 450, <laughs> eat at Jezebel's table. The queen. <laughs> they eat at the queen's table. So they're influential. And here's Elijah on his own. I, even I, only remain. And uh, we won't read it, but uh, we know the story. The fire from heaven, God uh, backs up Elijah in a miraculous way. Verse 36 we'll go to. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the even, oh, we will read a bit of it, evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kidron and slew them there. Amazing. And the people that were watching uh, were amazed. The Lord did it. The Lord backed up this man called Elijah, even though he was alone. Go to chapter 19 and verse 1. And it doesn't stop, just like the story of Moses. It goes on. And Ahab told Jezebel. So Ahab, the king, went home and told his wife, Jezebel, what he had done uh, and with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword, all those people that used to eat with her. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. This is the queen. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. He ran away. 
uh, of fe- full of fear for his life. Um, go down to verse 10. And he said, this is Elijah saying to the Lord, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. You know, uh, we go about doing the work of the Lord, and we're jealous for the Lord, zealous even, another word. And, uh, and sometimes, uh, well, it may seem like we're alone, but when we come together, of course, we don't. But... Um, the encouragement here is to be determined. So this is what Elijah is saying to the Lord, and then down to verse 18, it says, The Lord says to Elijah, Yet have I left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. See, we don't know the full story either. You know, um, about 20 of us here meet regularly on uh, a Sunday and uh, then on Wednesday, we get sometimes five. And so you think, we're only little. But what the Lord wants us to think is, look, just continue to be determined. Be determined to, uh, to carry on and weary not in well-doing. Because you never know <laughs> what's out there. I mean, God said, and Elijah didn't know this. He said it twice now. I'm the only one left. Once to the people and then to God himself. But God said, there's 7,000 out there, you know. <laughs> you don't know that. Just you carry on. I'll back you up. I'll be there for you. Jeremiah chapter 38. Jeremiah chapter 38. And verse 1. Jeremiah 38, verse 1. Jeremiah was a chosen prophet of God. Um, It was the Lord that put him there. And uh, Jeremiah was an important prophet in that he was prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem. And he was there when Jerusalem was destroyed. And um, people taken to uh, Babylon. But he prophesied in 70 years, they'll come back. But here in chapter 38 and verse 1, Then Shephatiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Peshur, and Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Peshur, the son of Malchiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. But he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live, for he shall save his life for a prey, and shall live. Thus saith the Lord, this city shall surely be given into the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. Therefore the princes said unto the king, We beseech thee, let this man be put to death, for thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in this city, and the hands of all the people in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. Now that's a false accusation. You know, people can uh, accuse falsely, shoot the lip. But Jeremiah 
was uh, prophesying on behalf of the Lord that their lives may be preserved. We just read that. Now he's accused of the opposite. Verse 5, Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he is in your hand, for the king is not he that can do anything against you. (laughs) That was rubbish too. Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah the son of Hamalek and was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords and in the dungeon where there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk in the mire. We know the story. In this um, dungeon there is a hole and uh, they lowered Jeremiah into this hole. Um, I, I couldn't imagine what he was thinking. I mean, as anybody who's read this has possibly thought that as well. But Jeremiah also knew that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. <laughs> so he's stuck in this hole. He knows Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. He's all alone. There's no water. And he's thinking, well, I don't know what he's thinking, but be pretty desperate. Uh, be smelly as well, but there's no time frame. As far as he knows, Jerusalem is just going to get destroyed and he's left in this hole. But then we get to uh, verse 7. Now when Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, a foreigner, not even um, a person of Israel, one of the eunuchs which was in the king's house, heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin. Ebed-Melech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon. And he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. So Ebed-Melech took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts, old rotten rags, and let them down by cords into the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian said unto Jeremiah, Put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords. And Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with cords and took him up out of the dungeon And Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So out of nowhere, the Lord was there for Jeremiah. He seemed like he was alone, but he was still determined to speak what the Lord asked him to speak. We go about and we witness to people and we get all sorts of reactions, but the Lord's asked us to continue to be determined. He'll back us up. He'll be there for us. So three examples of dramatic ways that the Lord has backed these people up. So go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 38. So we read those stories. Like I said, amazing ways the Lord uh, supported his chosen people, even though they seemed like they were so alone. The Lord was there. And keep that in mind when I read these verses. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 38. Of whom the world was not worthy. So Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise 
through faith and determination, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. We have something better. I mean, they led amazing lives, saw phenomenal things happen, saw the Lord answer and back them up in amazing ways. But we've got something better now. The Lord's with us and he backs us up. We probably won't see fire come down from heaven. (laughs) Um, We probably won't see all our enemies slain before us. We'd rather see all our enemies come to the Lord, won't we? But we've got the Spirit in us. And as we heard in testimony, you know, anguish and so forth, what's the Lord doing? The Lord helps us and comforts us and strengthens us. He did it for them. He'll do it for us in the way he does it today. He did it for them the way he does it back then, and he'll do it for us because we have something better. Um, Matthew chapter 13. This is the, I'll read it again, the scripture in the um, newsletter. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 17. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 17. For verily I say unto you that many prophets, and we've read three, Moses, Elijah, Jeremiah, and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see. Not only see with eyes, but experience, feel, be a part of. They've desired, they had a, had a snippet, they saw through a glass darkly because they were speaking on behalf of God and have not seen them and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. That is so powerful that uh, these stories of these prophets, what they achieved in the, in the natural, they desired to see what we see and we're seeing it and experiencing it and feeling it today with God in us. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 7. John chapter 10, verse 7. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And what stands out here, talking about being determined, is what Jesus says in verse 10. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So grab hold of it. Be determined to grab hold of it and, uh, and realise that he's giving us life. That's the Well, I didn't want to use the word, but it it is. That's the desperate situation of it all. Grab hold of it. Uh, This is life and more abundantly. Be determined uh, to uh, to continue and put that effort in because it's well worth it because it equals life.
it equals, um, flows on from that, comfort, uh, um, contentment, joy, peace. These are good things. So be determined that this life, uh, that desperate grabbing hold of life. Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. And verse 35. Romans chapter 8 and verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Rhetorical question. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Or we lay our lives down for the Lord. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us, who wants to give us life. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We know those verses well. Uh, It's well worth reading them again. The love of God. Nothing at all can separate us. And uh, remember that. that, uh, that Be determined to follow him, knowing that God's love will not be distant from us. We are his children. And it says in uh, Psalm 94, For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. So an inheritance is something that uh, someone gains and they use to help them uh, in their lives, and uh, we are that. We are God's inheritance. We are his wealth, really, you know, that, uh, that, that he has inherited uh, to, to see good things happen on the earth, and that's who we are. He will not cast off his people. Uh, He will not forsake his people. Penultimate scripture, Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation or your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. Four, and the reason being because of, sorry, you should be like that, because he has said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And reading verse six, just imagine if you are Moses or Elijah or uh, Jeremiah, the Lord is my helper, he came through and so therefore I don't need to fear what men shall do to me. 250 princes, men of renown, famous, uh, 450 prophets of Baal sitting at the uh, the table of the queen or even the army in Jerusalem um, need not fear. The Lord is my helper. Last scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just one verse to finish up, verse 58. Second, First Corinthians, chapter fifteen, verse fifty-eight. 
Therefore, my beloved brethren, beloved, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Okay? It will, and I gave a talk about that recently, it will produce a result. What we do for the Lord is not in vain. The Lord makes it so it's beneficial. So let us be determined, be steadfast, unmovable, and continuing in what the Lord's asked us to do. Thank you.